The Parable of the Lost Sheep by C.H. Spurgeon, a sermon delivered on Lord's Day, morning, September 28, 1884. What man of you, having an hundred sheep, if he lose one of them, does not leave the ninety and nine in the wilderness, he go after that which is lost until he find it? And when he has found it, he lays it on his shoulders, rejoicing. And when he comes home, he calls together his friends and neighbors, saying to them, Rejoice with me, for I have found my sheep which was lost. I say unto you that likewise joy shall be in heaven over one sinner that repents, more than over ninety and nine, just persons which need no repentance. Luke 15, verses 4 to 7. Our Lord Jesus Christ, while he was here below, was continually in the pursuit of lost souls. He was seeking lost men and women, and it was for this reason that he went down among them, even among those who were most evidently lost, that he might find them. He took pains to put himself where he could come into communication with them, and he exhibited such kindliness towards them that in crowds they drew near to him. I dare say it was a strange-looking assembly, a disreputable rabble, which made the Lord Jesus its center. I am not astonished that the Pharisee, when he looked upon the congregation, sneered and said, He collects around him the pariahs of our community, the wretches who collect taxes for the foreigner of God's free people, and the fallen women of the towns, and such like riffraff make up his audiences. And he, instead of repelling them, receives them. He welcomes them. He looks upon them as a class to whom he has a peculiar relationship. He even eats with them. Did he not go into the house of Zacchaeus, and the house of Levi, and partake of the feasts which these low people made for him? We cannot tell you all the Pharisee thought. It might not be edifying to attempt it. But they thought as badly of the Lord as they possibly could, because of the company which surrounded him. And so he deigns in this parable to defend himself, not that he cared much about what they might think, but that they might have no excuse for speaking so bitterly of him. He tells them that he was seeking the lost, and where should he be found but among those whom he was seeking? Should a physician shun the sick? Should a shepherd avoid the lost sheep? Was he not exactly in his right position when there drew near to him all the publicans and sinners for to hear him? Our divine Lord defended himself by what was called an argument ad hominem, an argument to the men themselves, for he said, When men of you have an hundred sheep, if he lose one of them, does not go after that which is lost until he find it. No argument tells more powerfully upon men than one which comes close home to their own daily life. And the Savior put it so. They were silenced, if they were not convinced. It was a peculiarly strong argument, because in their case it was only a sheep that they would go after. But in his case it was something infinitely more precious than all the flocks of sheep that ever fed on Sharon or Carmel. For it was the soul of a man which he sought to save. The argument had in it not only the point of peculiar adaptation, but a force at the back of it unusually powerful for driving it home upon every honest mind. It may be opened out in this fashion. If you men, 
We each one of you go after a lost sheep and follow it in its track until you found it. How much more may I go after lost souls and follow them in all their wanderings until I can rescue them? The going after the sheep is part of the parable which our Lord meant them to observe. The shepherd pursues a route which he would never think of pursuing if it were only for his own pleasure. His way is not selected for his own ends, but for the sake of the stray sheep. He takes a track uphill and down dale, far into a desert, or into some dark wood, simply because the sheep has gone that way, and he must follow it until he find it. Our Lord Jesus Christ, as a manner of taste and pleasure, would never have been found among the publicans and sinners, nor among any of our guilty race, if he had consulted his own ease and comfort. He would have consorted only with pure and holy angels and the great Father above. But he was not thinking of himself. His heart was set upon the lost ones, and therefore he went where the lost sheep were. For the Son of Man has come to seek and to save that which was lost. The more steadily you look at this parable, the more clearly you will see that our Lord's answer was complete. We don't need this morning to regard it exclusively as an answer to Pharisees, but we may look at it as an instruction to ourselves. For it is quite as complete in that direction. May the good Spirit instruct us as we muse upon it. In the first place, I call attention to this observation. The one subject of thought to the man who had lost his sheep, this sets forth to us the one thought of our Lord Jesus Christ, a good shepherd, when he sees a man lost to holiness and happiness by wandering into sin. The Shepherd and looking over his little flock of 100, can only count 99. He counts them again, and he notices that a certain one is gone, and may be a white-faced sheep with a black mark on its foot. He knows all about it, for the Lord knows them that are his. The shepherd has a photograph of the wanderer in his mind's eye, and now he thinks but little of the 99 who are feeding in the pastures of the wilderness but his mind is in a ferment about the one lost sheep. This one idea possesses him. A sheep is lost. This agitates his mind more and more. A sheep is lost. It masters his every faculty. He cannot eat bread. He cannot return to his home. He cannot rest while one sheep is lost. To a tender heart, a lost sheep is a painful subject of thought. It is a sheep and therefore utterly defenseless now that it has lost its defender. If the wolf should spy it out, or the lion or the bear should come across its track, it'd be torn in pieces in an instant. Thus a shepherd asks his heart to question, What will become of my sheep? Perhaps at this very moment a lion may be ready to spring upon it, and if so, it cannot help itself. A sheep is not prepared for fight, and even for flight it is not the swiftness of its enemy. That makes its compassionate owner the more sad as he thinks again. A sheep is lost. It is in great danger of a cruel death. A sheep is of all creatures the most senseless. If we have lost a dog, it may find its way home again. Possibly a horse might return to its master's stable. But a sheep will wander on and on in endless mazes, lost. It is too foolish a thing to think of returning to the place of safety. 
A lost sheep is lost indeed in countries where lands lie unenclosed and the plains are boundless. That fact still seems to ring in the man's soul. A sheep is lost, and it will not return, for it is a foolish thing, where it may it not have gone by this time. Weary and worn, it may be fainting. It may be far away from green pastures and be ready to perish with hunger among the bare rocks or upon the arid sand. A sheep is shiftless. It knows nothing about providing for itself. The camel can scent water from afar, and a vulture can spy its food from an enormous distance. But the sheep can find nothing for itself. Of all wretched creatures, a lost sheep is one of the worst. If anybody had stepped up to the shepherd just then and said, Good sir, what ails you? You seem in great concern. He would have replied, And well I may be, for a sheep is lost. It is only one, sir, and I see you have ninety-nine left. Do you call it nothing to lose one? You are no shepherd yourself, or you would not trifle so. Why, I seem to forget these ninety-nine that are all safe, and my mind only remembers the one which is lost. What is it which makes a great shepherd lay so much to his heart the loss of one of his flock? What is it that makes him agitated as he reflects upon that supposition, if he lose one of them? I think it is first, because of his property in it. The parable does not so much speak of a hired shepherd, but of a shepherd proprietor. What man of you have an hundred sheep if he lose one of them? Jesus in another place speaks of the hireling, whose own the sheep are not, and therefore he flees when the wolf comes. It is a shepherd proprietor who lays down his life for the sheep. It is not a sheep alone, and a lost sheep but it is one of his own lost sheep that this man cares for. This parable is not written about lost humanity in the bulk. It may be so used, if you please, but in its first sense it is written about Christ's own sheep. It's also as the second parable concerning the woman's own money, and the third, not concerning any prodigal youth, but the father's own son. Jesus has his own sheep, and some of them are lost, yea, they were all once in the same condition. For all we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned every one to his own way. The parable refers to the unconverted whom Jesus has redeemed with his most precious blood, and whom has he undertaken to seek and to save. These are those other sheep whom also he must bring in. For thus saith the Lord God, Behold, I, even I, will both search my sheep and seek them out, as the shepherd seeks out his flock in the day, that he is among his sheep that are scattered. So will I seek out my sheep, and will deliver them out of all places where they have been scattered in the cloudy and dark day. The sheep of Christ are his long before they know it, his even when they wander, for when they are brought into the fold by the effectual working of his grace, they become manifestly what they were in covenant from of old. The sheep are Christ's first, because he chose them from before the foundation of the world. You have not chosen me, but I have chosen you. His next, because the Father gave them to him. 
how he dwells upon that fact in its great prayer in John 17. Thine they were, and thou gavest them me. Father, I will the day also whom you have given me be with me where I am. We are the Lord's own flock. Furthermore, by his purchase of us, he says, I lay down my life for the sheep. It is nearly nineteen centuries ago since he paid the ransom price and bought us to be his own, and we shall be his, for that purchase money was not paid in vain. And so the Savior looks upon his hands and sees the marks of his purchase. He looks upon his side and sees the token of the effectual redemption of his own elect to himself by pouring out of his own heart's blood before the living God. That thought, therefore, presses upon him. One of my sheep is lost. It is a wonderful supposition, that which is contained in this parable. If he lose one of them, what? Lose one whom he loved, before the earth ever was. It may wander for a time, but he will not have it lost forever. That he cannot bear. What? Lose one whom his father gave him to be his own. Lose one whom he has bought with his own life. He will not endure the thought. Dead word. If he lose one of them, sets his soul on fire. It shall not be. You know how much the Lord has valued each one of his chosen, laying down his life for his redemption. You know how dearly he loves every one of his people. It is no new passion with him, neither can it grow old. He has loved his own and must love them to the end. From eternity that love has endured already, and it must continue throughout the ages for he does not change. Will he lose one of those so dearly loved? Never. Never. He has eternal possession of them by a covenant of salt, wherein the Father has given them to him. This it is which in great measure stirs his soul so that he thinks of nothing but this fact. One of my sheep is lost. Secondly, he has got another reason for this all-absorbing thought. Namely, his great compassion for his lost sheep. The wandering of a soul causes Jesus deep sorrow. He cannot bear the thought of its perishing. Such is the love and tenderness of his heart that he cannot bear that one of his own should be in jeopardy. He can take no rest as long as the soul for whom he shed his blood still abides under the dominion of Satan and under the power of sin. Therefore the great shepherd neither night nor day forgets his sheep. He must save his flock, and he is straightened till it be accomplished. He has a deep sympathy, which each strain heart. He knows the sorrow that sin brings, the deep pollution and the terrible wounding that comes of transgression, even at the time, and the sore heart and the broken spirit that will come of it before long, and so the sympathetic Savior grieves over each lost sheep. For he knows the misery which lies in the fact of being lost. If you have ever been in a house with a mother and father, and daughters and sons, when a little child has been lost, you will never forget the agitation of each member of the household. See the father as he goes to the police station. He calls at every likely house, for he must find his child or break his heart. See the deep oppression and bitter anguish of the mother. She is like one distracted till she has news of her darling child. You now begin to understand what Jesus feels for one whom he loves, who 
is graven on the palms of his hands, whom he looked upon in the mirror of his foreknowledge, when he was bleeding his life away upon the tree. He has no rest in his spirit till his beloved is found. He is compassion like a god, and that transcends all the compassion of parents or of brothers. The compassion of an infinite heart brimming over with an ocean of love. This one thought moves the pity of the Lord, if he lose one of them. Moreover, the man in the parable had a third relation to the sheep, which made him possessed with the one thought of its being lost. He was a shepherd to it. It was his own sheep, and yet therefore, for that very reason, become its shepherd. He says to himself, if I lose one of them, my shepherd work will be ill done. What dishonor it would be to a shepherd to lose one of his sheep. Either it must be for lack of a power to keep it, or a lack of will, or a lack of watchfulness. But none of these can appertain to the chief shepherd. Our Lord Jesus Christ will never have it said of him that he has lost one of his people, for he glories in having preserved them all. While I was with them in the world, I kept them in thy name. Those that thou gavest me I have kept. And none of them is lost, but the son of perdition, that the scripture might be fulfilled. The devil shall never say that Jesus suffered one whom his father gave him to perish. His work of love cannot in any degree become a failure. His death? In vain? No. Not in jot or tittle. I can imagine if it were possible that the Son of God should live in vain, but to die in vain it shall never be. The purpose that he meant to achieve by his passion and death he shall achieve, for he is the eternal, the infinite, the omnipotent, and who shall stay his hand or baffle his design? He will not have it. If he lose one of them, says the passage, imagine the consequence. What scorn would come from Satan? What derision would he pour upon the shepherd? How hell would ring with the news. He has lost one of them. Suppose it be the feeblest. Then would they cry, he could keep the strong, who already could keep themselves. Suppose it be the strongest. Then they would cry, he could not even keep one of the mightiest of them, but must needs let him perish. This is a good argument for Moses pleaded with God. What? Will the Egyptians say, It is not the will of your Father which is in heaven that one of these little ones shall perish. Neither is it for the glory of Christ that one of his own sheep should be eternally lost. You see the reason for the Lord's heart being filled with one burning thought. For first, the sheep is his own. Next, he is full of compassion. And then again it is his office to shepherd the flock. All this while the sheep is not thinking about the shepherd, or caring for him in the least degree. Some of you are not thinking at all about the Lord Jesus. You have no wish nor will to seek after him. What folly! Oh, the pity of it, that the great heart above should be yearning over you today, and should fail to rest because you were in peril, and you who will be the greater loser, for you will lose your own soul are sporting with sin and making yourself merry with destruction. Ah, my, how far you have wandered, how hopeless would your case be, if it were not for an almighty shepherd to think upon you.